As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Welcome to the My Essential Birth Podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Stephanie. And we're professional doulas, childbirth educators, and the creators of My Essential Birth, the holistic, empowering online childbirth education course helping mothers everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. So join us each week as we share tips and advice for all things pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be the first to get new content. And head over to www.myessentialbirth.com for more information about our birth course and to join a community of mamas just like you. This week's reviewer of the week is Barb9068, and it's titled Counting Down the Seconds Till a New Episode. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I, she says, I'm currently 16 weeks pregnant and finished with the podcast and halfway through the course. So unbelievably happy I found these ladies. They have boosted my confidence exponentially. I am crushing every aspect of this pregnancy and Go, girl. dying to rock this unmedicated birth. My partner is so much more relaxed since we started this journey. We feel so powerful with all this knowledge we could never thank you enough sending love from pennsylvania well that is amazing you're incredible way to go like i love that you're like i'm doing this and and not just the like i i'm gonna do this thing and it's gonna be positive like i am crushing this i'm doing the work and i'm seeing the benefits and i love that you are on fire for it those i am statements are so incredibly powerful so that's the kind of mindset that all of you should be aiming for So we often get questions around water breaking, and I feel like the movies make it seem like a much bigger deal than it actually (laughs) is. So in this episode, we're going to talk to you about what is that bag of waters, uh, fun facts about it, and then we're going to help you know what to do if and when it breaks, how to handle different scenarios and variations that may come. That way you can lay those worries aside about water breaking. So what the heck is it? Bag of waters, amniotic fluid, amniotic sac. (laughs) Lots of synonyms here. It is the fluid-filled sac that your baby lives in. Um, There's two layers to it. There's the amnion and the chorion. We could tell you that sometimes you can have one of those layers break and not the other, um, which is fun, but we won't get into that. But I want you to know that it offers lots of protection to your baby. We're grateful that it's there. It's like a saline solution. You know, the other thing, um, just because you touched on one of the layers that can break, the other thing that can happen is you can have, and maybe that's under this fun facts area, but you can have like a, a small trickle that happens and it actually happens higher up on the bag of amniotic fluid and it can actually seal back up, which I think is so neat. That's crazy. I know. And I feel like too, you have to be careful because if that happens later in pregnancy and you go to the doctor and you test and it comes back that yes, your water, like that is amniotic fluid, depending on who your provider is that might warrant an induction versus a 
well, let's see what wait, happens. Wait like there's see. no contractions. And anyways, it was just a trickle. So yeah. So some fun facts about it. About 20% of births begin with your bag of water breaking. So when we talk about, we had an episode about how the progression of labor, and we mentioned that most of the time it's going to start with contractions. That's absolutely true. So 20%, it's not uncommon, but it's not the most common way for labor to begin. And I think that's comforting to a lot of moms either way. Like if you're worried about it happening, it's it's more likely that it's not going to. Um, and then too, if you're like wanting it to happen, like there's a chance that it can. I think, well, kind of into this next point where if left to do its own thing, water commonly breaks around eight centimeters, but there's kind of a caveat to that where it's like the mothers that we've seen that that have more protein in their diet, this is kind of like the idea behind it. Like if you have a high protein diet, your water is actually more likely to break later in labor. And I think the best part of that is it's just that little added bit of cushion. Obviously the yeah. protection for baby, but for me, I'm like, yeah, but it feels just a little better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, your water breaking, when that happens, you'll notice if you're in labor that things start to get a little bit more intense for you and for baby, right? You no longer have that cushioning like Steph talked about that your bag of water provides because now your baby's head has a bit more of a direct contact with your cervix and that can help with dilation, but those those contractions pick up a little bit in intensity. So when we talk about nutrition and exercise, there really are important factors to that. And part of that is a stronger bag of waters. Yeah. And like we talked about, like your your bag of waters replenishes itself too. So not only can you have a trickle and it can seal up if it's higher up in the bag. um, Oh, and you can have like the four waters. Like I Mm -hmm. guess I should mention that if we're talking about all the different ways this thing can pop. um, The four waters are the part, the the, like bag of waters that's in between your baby's head and your vagina, like, like in front of baby's head. And so that can actually pop and baby can seal off the rest. They can kind of, that bag of waters breaks right there. They move down just enough and it seals off the entire bag of waters behind it, which I think is super neat too. So maybe you get like this gush and then you don't really see much of anything else. Maybe it's a trickle from there on out. So I think that's neat. Um, But even during labor, your bag of waters is continuing to replenish itself with fluids. So what that means is that if your water has broken and you're having contractions, you'll notice that every time you have a contraction and that that uterus is tugging on your cervix just a little bit more, right? You're going to leak a little bit with every contraction and that can sometimes be surprising to women. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that because it is surprising to women. It totally is because you're like, no, like the water, I did that already, (laughs) you know? (laughs) But yes, with every contraction, you'll feel a little bit more. It's not that you're peeing. It's just a little bit of water coming out totally normal. Yep. And thankfully, birthplaces will have chucks pads aplenty. You'll see them on birthing balls. You'll see them on the floor because they know that this happens and it's totally okay. Yes. I was saying to Courtney beforehand, I'm like, you know how uncomfortable moms get when they're like walking the halls and they're like, oh my gosh, I have to pee. And I don't, it's just like, well, go ahead. Like they, <laughs> they clean up so much pee off these halls. Don't worry. Let me grab a towel. Don't worry. Let me grab a chucks pad. Don't worry. Like you can. And I've had moms do it. And a lot of times when they think they've got to pee, it's like they're peeing and then baby moves down. Like being able to release that. And that's something that, you know, obviously we go over. But when when your bladder is full, actually, it can actually stop dilation from happening or inhibit it quite a bit. And so, and make it more uncomfortable for you to have yeah. contractions. So when you can allow all of that to flow freely, particularly if you're having contractions and feeling like you need to, then it actually allows that whole area to be open and baby can really get moving. I think it's a mental thing though. I'm trying to imagine myself, would I, I ever feel comfortable peeing on a floor? <laughs> Probably not. However, I have encouraged women to do so and they have done so comfortably. (laughs) (laughs) To each their own, right? Right. 
Um, so your bag of water breaking, just like we've kind of already alluded to, it can be a pop gush. I've had that happen before. It can also be just a little trickle that makes you think have you that heard you've the peed pop? your pants. I have to I know. have. Okay. Because yeah. I've heard it with other women. I yeah. did not have this happen on my own. So you heard it with yourself. What did I, that feel and, and sound like to you? Just, so all of a sudden, I heard this little pop. And then all of a sudden, it was just warm, wet. Like oh, like so you peed your pants super quickly. You know? it. It yeah. was kind of I remember crazy. the first time I was there and it like made that like popping like a balloon sound and then it just you like could hear I like I put my hand on and I'm like, oh my gosh, did you hear that? Like, yeah, of course she heard that. But I got <laughs> so excited and yeah, she kind of looked at me like, yeah, I, yep, certainly did hear that. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. So I have to just say, I know so many women who have so much anxiety about where and when their water is going to break. And so I was just going to tell you, I've had two separate people. One's a cousin, one's a friend who it happened on the kitchen floor for them. One of them was reaching up for like a box of goldfish for her other kids and her water broke over her kitchen floor. <laughs> Not a bad place for it to break. Another one was... Wish she wasn't climbing the counter to get it. That could have been worse. <laughs> Another one was my cousin. Um, my dad actually tells this story about how... Um, um, they needed somebody to come be with their kids while they went to the hospital to have this baby. And she was like pretty far along. And so my dad arrives there and she's like kind of running around the kitchen trying to tell him where stuff is for all the kids. And all of a sudden her water breaks and she looks about my dad, her uncle, right? And she's like, oh, and he goes, don't worry, just go. You've got to get to the hot. She, I think she was actually in transition when oh this goodness. happened. He's like, and he knew this having had so many daughters and all this yeah. stuff. He was like, go to the hospital. I will clean it up. And she's like, I'm so sorry. He's like, no, 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 it's not a big deal. Just go. <laughs> so I think that's kind of part of the paranoia is where and when is it going to break? And is it going to be in an embarrassing spot? I have known of a woman in my church congregation. Hers broke on the clothed pew, the church pew. <laughs> she <laughs> must have like, felt so bad. Right. Because you're sitting there going, well, who cleans this up? And yeah. I would just say, if that happens, you're in an embarrassing place and you're like, oh my gosh, she's going to clean this up. I would say it depends on where you are at in labor. If your water breaking is what kicks off labor, you're probably maybe not having contractions or super intense contractions. And if you really wanted to, you could clean it up yourself. No. But if your no. water is breaking... Because think of that. like you, That means that it's all over your clothes. Like you, I don't know. Some gracious soul, especially in a church setting, yes. right? Oh my gosh. We'll clean it up for you. It's not, it's really not that big of a deal. In fact, I find, I find that like in any, like what you would consider embarrassing place, there's always, there's probably always going to be somebody who is going to be like, oh girl, like you take care uh -huh. of you and I will take care of this, you know? And I don't know what you have imagining in your head that's coming out of you, but most of the time <laughs> it's just a clear saline fluid. Speaking of which, what would it, no, let's not go there. Let's not go there. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, so I guess what I'm saying is if your water is breaking at eight centimeters uh, and you're not at your birthplace, then you don't care who cleans it up. You get to your birthplace. Yeah, yeah, so. for sure. And if you're like me, you twist to wipe after going to the bathroom and think that your water broke. I had like a giant gush come out with oh, my no. third. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think that was my water. I had literally squeezed out more pee, like squeezing a rag, twisting hey, a rag. What the? It was so weird. <laughs> so weird. And just so you know, Hollywood gets it wrong. They get so much wrong, but they show this, you know, girl in heels walking down, you know, she's pregnant, walking <laughs> down a street in New York City, and all of a sudden you hear it go, oh, and she grabs her belly and her water breaks. It doesn't usually happen like that. Or you could pull the Jim and Pam from the office episode and <laughs> she's put a little denial. cup of water on her thigh. Remember that? <laughs> 
to get out of your work meeting. So (laughs) (laughs) however you want to take this one. Stephanie's our resident office expert here. It's true. All right. So what do you do if it breaks? So if your water breaks, this is kind of the main information that you want to be able to grab from that. You're looking for for a few things that you can easily remember um, that you can translate and talk to your provider, whoever you need to about. And we use this acronym called TACO, which is funny. Sort of funny given (laughs) given the area it's happening in. Yes. Okay. Uh, We're mature and we want you to listen up. So it is time, (laughs) amount, color, and odor. So you want to keep track of what time did your water break? The amount of water that you saw, was it a gush? Was it a trickle? Were you not really sure? Uh, The color, you're looking for clear. And so if it's not clear, and that's where I was going to make an inappropriate joke on our last thing, (laughs) um, like what if your water breaks in? Um, But it, it, it might indicate meconium, which means that baby has taken a poop in utero, which isn't necessarily, it's not uncommon, it's not unsafe, um, it can be just fine. However, there is a small amount of a chance that it could be fetal distress. The point is, if it's not clear, you probably should head to your birthplace. You definitely need to call your provider and see what's going on. If it's pea soup consistency, it's an immediate, you head to the hospital and let them know you're on your way. Um, Odor, it should smell like salt water. It mm-hmm. really shouldn't have any. It shouldn't have much of a smell, really. Right. I always smell salt water. It smells like the ocean to me. Um, but it should it should basically be odorless. So you want it to be clear and odorless. All right. So we've covered taco. Now you've got this information: time, amount, color, odor. How you report this information to your provider, especially if it's clear and odorless, can have a great influence on how your birth will go if you're working with an in-hospital provider. You should establish with them way before birth happens, what their preferred protocol is for your water breaking. That's part of the conversation you need to have at one of your visits. So you should know that. But this could be a potential where you could notice a red flag. So for example, if you ask a question like, hey, if my water breaks and it's clear and odorless and I'm either not having contractions or they're very mild, are you okay with me laboring at home for a while before coming in? How your provider responds to that question could be a red flag if they seem resistant to that. And I would say another way to go about that um, and also testing for a red flag is instead of asking them what happens if, if to say, oh, so I plan to stay at home, just let them know what your plan is and to see what mm-hmm. the response is. So um, I, you know, my sister or my cousin or you could just whatever, you know, I, I know that sometimes water breaks at home. My plan is to stay at home and kind of just let contractions go. Obviously, if there's any issues, like it's not clear and it, it has like a smell or anything like that, I'll come in. But otherwise, that's my plan, you know, and just let them just kind of see what happens with no, you're right. I like that attitude better because we tell women all the time, you don't need to ask permission. Right. <laughs> it's your body. You can kind yes. of do what you want. So yeah, you could take the stuff approaches. Here is what I'm going to do. Uh, you on board with that. Right. Or instead of, you know, giving them all the information, like if this happens and this, you just say, what do you do if your bag of water breaks? And let them just see what they have to grave, say. Right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that can be a potential scenario where you could evaluate, is this the right provider for me? Because you want somebody to be, I mean, I would want, maybe you don't want, I would want somebody (laughs) who would be kind of chill. Like, yeah, if that's the scenario, it's clear, it's odorless, and you're not really having much in the way of contractions, I'm fine with you laboring at home. How about after, you know, X amount of hours, we check in again with each other? 
you know? Right. And then that, you brought up a great point because some women want a little bit more of a managed scenario and that's the comfort. That's okay. And so if you're like, yeah, I want somebody who cares that my bag of waters is broken and they want to see me right away, then by all means. Or if you already have like, maybe you've got some like prior concerns, like I had a stillborn baby or you have, you know, other serious things mm-hmm. that have happened that make you uncomfortable, then yeah, immediately go to the hospital. We're not saying there's, you know, one way is better than the other, just that you have options. And a lot of times I feel like moms aren't necessarily given those options. So you need to know. You need to know that you're in charge of that space. Exactly. Um, When you call your provider to let them know that your waters has released, um, you're not usually speaking with your provider directly, especially if you're working with an OB in a hospital scenario. Oftentimes, you're speaking with the medical assistant or the nurse, or if you're working with a midwife, you might be speaking to the birth assistant. And so we're going to share two different approaches we see women take when their water breaks. And um, obviously, we're go- we are going to be a little biased on this one <laughs> in the approach that we suggest. We- I might offer a third one as okay. I'm looking at these examples. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. So example number one, do you want to take this one? Okay. Um, so yeah. I'll be, let's role play stuff. Oh, I'll gosh. be your nurse. Okay. She <laughs> just threw this at me. So hold on, hold on. Um, ring, ring. <laughs> Hello. Hi. I'm a little concerned. Um, I mean, everything's fine, I think, but my water, my water broke and I'm not having contractions. I don't know. Well, maybe I am. I can't really tell, but anyways, my water broke and my husband's not here yet. I don't, what am I supposed to do? Oh, um, well, why don't you go ahead and come on into the hospital and we'll just check you out and see how things are going. Well, do I have to come right away? Because I just can't, can't tell what's going on, but I think, I think it's fine. I think it would ease your concerns and it will help us to check in. So yeah, let's have you come on in. Okay. So in this example, we have a mom who sounds a little concerned, maybe a little bit paranoid, worried, sounding like, uh, my water just broke. And so what do you want me to do? They're going to do what they think is going to make you feel most comfortable. And in this scenario, as the person on the other end of the line... I can sense her anxiety, and so I would tell her to come in. Absolutely, and that would be the right thing to do, I would say, for that mom in that situation. And for the nurse in that situation. Right, but the kind of background to this is what if that mom that is nervous and and worried about this bag of waters is a mom that really wanted to have either an unmedicated birth or definitely the least amount of invention possible, intervention possible, right? Maybe you're a mom that really wanted to allow labor to begin on its own, and this is something that kind of threw you a curveball. If that's the case, and you go in worried, we know that the earlier you go in, the more monitoring that you get, the longer you're at the hospital, the longer your water's broken, all of that is going to lead to more intervention. So that's where we want to make you aware of the different options that you have here. Yeah. And so to counteract that, here's an, you know, example number two. Um, and again, these are in scenarios where your water has broken and it's clear and odorless. We've sort of, you know, if you're calling in with like that pea soup consistency, that's straight. You're calling in on the way. Yeah. Yeah, You're calling in on the way as you drive there. If there's some meconium, that's kind of a different conversation to have. Right. If there's blood, like they we're going off of very normal, natural situations. So here's scenario number two. I'm no, this is your turn. I know. Oh, you're okay. <laughs> Hello. Ring ring. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you don't call someone and say That's hello. Okay. 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 Ring ring. Labor and delivery. 
Oh, that was very professional sounding. It just came on. Okay. <laughs> hey, um, just letting you guys know, my water broke about an hour ago. It was clear, odorless, just a little bit of a trickle. We've had some contractions. They're mild, just like seven minutes apart. We're going to keep laboring here at home. Um, certainly, if anything changes, we'll let you know, but we'll just plan on coming in um, when we normally would. Well, normally when we have a mom um, with her water broken, we do like to make sure that everything's okay. So um, I, I'm actually going to encourage you to kind of come in and let us monitor you and baby and make sure that it's actually the water that's broken. Um, and actually, if you could be here in an hour or so, I think that might be best for you and baby. What do you think? I appreciate your concern. I've actually already had this conversation with my provider. They're okay with me laboring at home for a little bit longer. We we promise to be vigilant. We're kind of monitoring baby's activities. So we'll come in when contractions uh, pick up a bit more. Okay. I'll let your provider know. What more can she say? <laughs> I was kind of glaring at Stephanie yes. like, um, you weren't supposed to argue with me after the first time, but I appreciate that because you guys, that's likely how things were going to right. go down. So I wasn't being rude. I wasn't being mean, but I'm asserting that, no, I've already had this conversation with my provider. This is what we're going to do. I'm just giving you the courtesy of a heads up. Right. Yeah. So if you, if you remain in control, then then you're going to feel better about that. So I would say if there were to be an example three, it would look more like I'm not paranoid and worried. I'm just letting you know. Mm-hmm. But that's where I think like what I just said, that that nurse might, we might hear on the other line from her, yeah. might put me in a place of like, oh, oh, I didn't, okay, then maybe I should come in, uh, even though I know everything's okay. So I think there is that side of if you know, this is where it's back to like visualizing your birth and making sure that you have your birth team in place and you know what you want and what you're knowledgeable about what all the options are, um, then you can with confidence and assertion say, no, I said I'm going to stay home, so I'm good. Instead of having to second guess yourself when somebody says, actually, we typically have moms come in. Well, that's great, but I know everything's fine. And I already talked to my provider. So, you know, you're having that conversation in your head to be able to say, "Mm, I'm good. Thanks. And again, this would be the preferable approach if your goal is, if it's unmedicated, for sure. If your goal is even just to minimize potential interventions that you could encounter from being at the hospital for an extended or longer period of time than you would normally have been there. Um, This would be the preferable scenario. But I always have to add, and Stephanie, I'm very careful about this. There are special privileges and gifts that come to you with the mantle of motherhood. And one of those is that, you know, you can call them what you want, prompting, intuition, gut checks. If you ever feel in your gut, you know, even if it goes against what you initially wanted for your birth plan, you know, I did want to labor at home for a while, but there's something that's telling me that I think I should go get checked. Please follow those. Um, I think they're given to you for a reason. And so what we're saying is that the power is in your hands and you have the control. Just keep everything in mind, right? Another scenario that we see that it's not totally uncommon is if your water breaks and there's no contractions. And caveat to this, right? Like if it happens past 36, 37 weeks, because if your water breaks and you are either before 36 weeks, that's an immediate trip to the hospital. I don't care if it's clear or whatever else, right? Yeah. Um, And so if you're like, oh, I'm at 40 weeks or I'm, you know, past my due date, you can't see my air quotes right now, right? Um, then <laughs> obviously there's some things that you can do that'll help get labor going. And the reason for that is you do kind of move into this, you're on a clock thing. Like you're not going to have your water broken and four days labor, later give birth. That's really no. uncommon and, and it might be really unhealthy. So I would w- say even in an out of hospital setting, yes. you wouldn't see that. Right. So it, generally 
the people involved, the birth people involved are going to want to get things moving. And there's different ways to do that. If you head to the hospital, it's going to start with Pitocin. That'll Mm -hmm. be kind of their first thing. However, if you are at home, you get to do some things on your own. So what are some of those things that we can do to get labor going? Well, we do have an episode where we talk about ways to kind of jumpstart your labor. Um, We share some of those ideas. We certainly give all our ideas on how to do that and some recipes even within the birth course. But just to mention a few here, um, you can hook yourself up to your breast pump. Do some nipple stimulation because that's going to help get some oxytocin flowing in your body, and that's what helps contractions get going. Yeah, and I would back to like what you had said. I think this might have been in a previous episode, but if your water breaks in the middle of the night, I would recommend you change your whatever you need to change, and you relax, and you mm-hmm. like because the truth is, if it breaks and you don't have contractions, you might have a while to go and you don't want to tire tire yourself out. So if it's some time that you're supposed to be sleeping, even if you're not going to be able to go back to sleep, resting, relaxing, eyes closed. And then when it's your normal time to get up and going, then it's time to start doing those things. things. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. And walking. I mean, walking is probably the biggest one that we see, right? Walking anytime. Yeah. Curb walking, bouncing on a ball, taking a walk. If you start feeling tightening, like anytime you start noticing the tightening, like stop, squat, whatever you need to do to like, you can even walk through them as well, but um, kind of move those contractions, get them going. But, and I I just want to make sure we're clear, when your water has broken, nothing enters the vagina um, that you put in there. So we wouldn't be using the, um, you know, sex as a way to get labor going at this point. Yeah, yeah, that's a Um, good point. (laughs) So just make sure that we want to keep things out of there because here's the concern. And And the reason that your provider sort of puts you on a bit of a timeline or a clock when your water breaks is because they're concerned about uterine infection. Um, And there's different ways that they can monitor this. They can take your temperature, being on a fetal monitor, monitoring baby, monitoring you is going to help with that and help them know where you're at. But their concern is for uterine infection. And so it makes sense then to not be doing things that could introduce unwanted bacteria, even with a gloved hand, into the vagina. So you would maybe want to, if you haven't already put this into your birth plan, make vaginal exams upon request only. They certainly shouldn't be routine, in my opinion, at this point. Yeah, but you're right. They they very much are. And that's probably the biggest time that we see um, have, like having an issue with your water broken when you're talking about, like it's one of the reasons that they put you on that time limit and that's why they start testing your temperature. And the biggest reason that we see for that is the gloved hand going in. And what's happening is they're pushing good bacteria that's in your vagina that's made for that area into an area it's not supposed to be, which is up by your baby. So that's where we start to see a little bit of what could cause an infection and we want to avoid that. So up to this point, you guys, we've talked about what happens in different scenarios for when your water breaks on its own. But sometimes either in an induction scenario or if your provider feels that your labor has stalled, they may suggest manually breaking your water. And we call this an artificial rupture of membranes. They're artificially, they're doing it themselves, breaking your water. And some of the things that we know from this is that it really only speeds labor on an average of about 15 minutes. And again, when you think about the timeline that that then puts you on, you're you're now on that clock. And that can, I think for some women, create some anxiety like, oh gosh, now I have to, I need my body to get going. Come on. Like, why isn't this working out the way I wanted it to? Yeah. And I think the frustration as a birth professional supporting other women during their labor is having people say to them, 
if we break that bag of water, so that baby's just going to come right down and things are going to get moving. And you know what? That is not always the case. And nope. so it drives me crazy because, yes, sometimes that totally does work. And so then, it, you know, it almost makes me feel like, okay, like I shouldn't have said anything or um, maybe we shouldn't have had that conversation. However, for the moms that they're like, oh, it'll just – baby's just going to bring come right down. We'll get things going. And they don't. Baby yeah. just stays up there and now it's less comfortable because you don't have that cushion. And now you've introduced that time clock. I feel like that's very unfair to a mom to say that that's what it's going to do, not knowing for sure that that's the case. As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot, totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. And where I feel like your your typical provider, meaning an OB in a hospital setting, sometimes they'll look at stalls and just say, oh, we need to break the water or we need to add Pitocin, where I feel like a more holistic approach would be, oh, let's see, she's X amount of centimeters dilated. We're experiencing a stall here. This could be a positional issue with baby. And they'll take a different approach of let's try some different techniques to try to get baby navigating through this part of your pelvis. And I appreciate that. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention too, is that especially if your provider is putting you on a 24 hour, okay, your water's broken either on its own or cause we did it. So you need to deliver your baby within 24 hours again, because of this concern of uterine infection, that's not always evidence-based. And there's other ways to assess whether or not you're having a uterine infection just beyond a 24 hour rule. Yeah. And I would say um, some hospitals are much less than that. I would say they're closer to like 12 to 16 hours. Mm -hmm. So make sure that you know what you're getting into before you do that. It's kind of back to our informed consent. Okay. So if, if they're coming and talking about breaking my bag of waters, okay, what happens if we do that? What what does this look like moving forward versus if I didn't? And then, yeah. but hopefully, hopefully you've learned about some of that stuff prior to going into your birthplace. So here's where having a really good provider that you know, like, and trust with, you know, safeguarding your birth plan comes into play. With my third baby, I was in an out-of-hospital I was at a birth center. I had a midwife who I trusted and I was probably around seven centimeters dilated and I'd hit a little bit of a stall and um, she had checked me with my permission and my consent. I'd requested it and she goes, you know, your bag of water felt a little bulgy and I think that if we broke that, things would pick up. Now, I trusted her because, number one, I, I didn't think she had any ulterior motives. I knew she didn't need to rush off to anywhere. I felt that, you know, she's a birth center midwife. She's going to want to have this happen here in the birth center. And so I, I asked for some time with my husband to kind of think and pray on that. And I felt good about us moving forward with that decision. And she was right. Within an hour, I was holding my little baby boy. Um, so when it came time for fourth baby, baby number four, 
And again, I got to about seven centimeters and my midwife said, you've got a really bulgy, is what they call it, bag of waters. I think if we did this, it would, it would be helpful. Knowing my body and the experience that I had, I knew that to be true. Prior to those experiences, I was adamant about nobody's going to break my water until it's time. And you guys, if I hadn't chosen to have my bag of water broken, things would have progressed. It would have broken on its own eventually. And in fact, it could have happened really soon. So I didn't need to make that decision. I'm just trying to give you scenarios about what informed consent looks like. I knew the risks that could come with them manually breaking my water for me. I was informed about what those risks were. I knew that it could intensify things for baby and myself. I knew that it could potentially only speed labor on average of 15 minutes. I made an informed decision that I was okay with that maybe was against the norm of what we would normally see in an unmedicated scenario. And I think that sort of encompasses steps in my goal for you. Have the information, have the knowledge, know when it's time to just maybe change position versus considering another option. Because when you do that, you're really in the driver's seat of your birth. Yeah. And it's interesting that you talk about that because in with my third birth, my midwife told me that same thing. She's like, I, you have a bulgy bag of water. She didn't talk about breaking it, but she's like, I bet it will break with a couple more contractions if you're squatting. And so we started squatting with every contraction. That baby was born in the call, which means that they were he was actually born in his bag of water. That is so cool. <laughs> I have never seen it in person. Yeah. Well, I didn't either. My eyes were closed. <laughs> By the time I saw him, he was out of the bag. And we didn't have the pictures, which kind of stinks. But um, actually, my I remember my mother-in-law was like very concerned. She's like, he came out and it was just like white. Like it looked so weird. It, and anyways, and then the water broke shortly after. And, and if you guys fine, want but. a really neat experience... Google born in the call spelt C-A-U-L and there's some incredible images. Yeah. Yeah. But it's back to just to let you know, like just just because you're having a, a bulgy bag of water doesn't necessarily doesn't mean, mean yeah. that they they need to break it and that's gonna happen or that it'll break on its own, however it could. And so yeah, back to your like it just it, it being able to trust your intuition. Trust the informed consent. Trust mm-hmm. your provider in front of you, listening to your body. All of that's going to matter. And trusting the natural process, too. I knew in my mind that if we didn't break it, things would progress. My baby would come. My water would break. It would all be okay. So trusting that your body is smart, your baby is smart, your creator is smart, they know what they're doing, and really having faith in that process and what that looks like for you is going to be so important for your birth. One last thing I wanted to add about this scenario with me is that when she checked me and I was seven centimeters and I had this bulgy bag of waters, my baby was very low in terms of their station, meaning how high up or how down, how low down they are in relation to your pelvis. The risk with breaking somebody's water if baby is high up is that we can run into a scenario called cord prolapse where the cord actually um, so they they break your water and um, things kind of move down, but the cord comes before baby's head and that turns into an emergency scenario. So there is some risk involved in doing that if the right conditions aren't met. Yeah. So I think that's just something to keep in your mind if you're... Um Maybe you don't take a ton of time studying about your bag of waters and when to break (laughs) it, uh, but just knowing that the farther along in your labor that you are and the Mm -hmm. lower down that your baby is. And so even knowing to ask that question, you know, is there a risk that, like, how high are they? Is there a risk that the cord could come down first? Is there any danger to myself and baby? Um, And ask them to be specific 
because <laughs> I feel like if you were to say, well, no, of course we wouldn't recommend something that's not, yes, but be specific about yeah, what what's could baby station. Yeah. And what are the risks associated with this? Right. All right. So to recap what you've learned here on this episode, it's not as likely that your labor is going to kick off with your water breaking for about 20% of you. It will. Nutrition can play a role in that. So keep that in mind. If your water does break, you want to remember taco, time, amount, color, <laughs> odor, and you want to be mindful in how you report this information to your provider, keeping in mind, of course, that that's a conversation you've had with your provider well ahead of time. If your water breaks and you don't have contractions or it's not a very strong contraction pattern, you're going to want to look into some things that can help labor kind of kick it into gear a little bit. And then you want to be careful when it comes to artificially rupturing your membranes or breaking the bag of waters manually, because while that occasionally can have some benefits, it, it also comes with the risks of being put on the clock and cord prolapse and things like that. Most importantly, we want to make sure that you are in charge of your birth scenario. So whatever that looks like for you, we hope that you have a good provider. We hope that you are doing everything you can to become knowledgeable about the options and scenarios that can happen during birth so that when it is go time, you're not faced with something that completely throws you off guard, catches you off guard, and makes it so that you don't feel like you were in charge of your space. All right, mamas, we will be back with more tips and advice soon. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe so that you get notifications first about new episodes. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for more information on the birth course and to join our online community serving pregnant mamas just like you. 